Well, good morning, everybody. You're live out there. I'm just going to... It moves around a little bit. I wouldn't expect that, so... The verse that resonated with me for this week that sort of encapsulates my story comes out of uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. It says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. For I believe I've abandoned God at least five times in my life and know that God has never abandoned me. He's been with me the whole time. I've worked most of my life. I've worked uh, my first job when I was seven. Made five bucks a week plus room and board. It was a neat job. Took 21 head of horses from Sacramento up to Strawberry Lodge on Highway 50. It was a three-day trek. A lot of fun. The last 21 miles was sort of harrowing because you were on a two-lane Highway 50 and you only had about two and a half feet of roadside that you could take these horses up. So when we finished that 21 miles, we were pretty excited. Spent from May until either the first snow or Columbus's birthday. And that's when we came home. At the age of uh, 10, I had a job offering to uh, one of the kids in the neighborhood was got a paper route, so he didn't want to do this job anymore, which was cleaning up the meat market at the favorite grocery store about a block from where I lived. And there, on Saturday afternoon at 6 o'clock, I would come in and I would take wet linens and cover the meat, and then I would clean up all the sawdust. Sacramento at that time was under blue laws, and so we couldn't sell fresh meat on Sunday just like you can't sell any bourbon or any alcohol until one o'clock on Sundays here. And I had that job and it paid me 25 cents a week. It was huge, big money, let me tell you. Along about the same time, about a month later, pastor from the little Lutheran church across the street came to me and asked me if I, what I did before I came to do cleaning the meat market and he said, you know, we're looking for somebody to help clean the church. I said, well, how much to pay? He says, pays 10 cents a Saturday. I said, I'll be there. So at 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoons, I would go and clean the Lutheran church, prepare uh, all the little, little cups for communion and wash that. And that's where I first met Jesus. My dad got sick when I was 10, and by the time I was 11... It wasn't looking good, but this Lutheran pastor explained to me that if I gave my life to Jesus, that my dad would be saved. That's what I heard as a 11-year-old. That's not probably what he said, but I gave my life to Christ at that age. And less than a year later, my dad died. He died the day before his 35th birthday. I was a whopping 12 years old. My best friend had just passed away. Obviously, the God that I just gave my life to doesn't work 
I went out looking for another God. My dad's partners were LDS, they were Mormons. In fact, there were four Bishop Mormons that spoke at my father's funeral. My dad was the only smoker of all those groups of people. And of course, his son was a smoker at that time too. I started when I was nine. So, the bishop, one of the bishops came to me, who I knew from the Boy Scouts. The Mormon church sponsored scout troops because that was a way to bring young men into their fold, into their religion. He came to me and he said, you know, your father's never been baptized. And if you do your work, you can baptize for your father. We baptize for the dead. And at 13, that made a lot of sense. Secondly, he says, we're going to Yellowstone on our big trip and we're going right through Salt Lake City and we can arrange for you to be baptized in the Salt Lake City Temple. Wow, that's pretty special. Maybe I'm finding another God that'll work. So we got baptized. I'll tell you one hint, you never want to get baptized by anybody that knows you because they will damn near drown you while you're being baptized. <laughs> If they don't know you, they don't say a lot of words. But if they do know you, they just go on and on and on. <laughs> I, I came up for a breath of air, thought we were all done. Bam, right back down again. <laughs> wow. I must have been really bad. And I was pretty bad in those days. <laughs> anyway. I sort of questioned the bishop, why, why would you baptize me when you know I smoke? That's against your religion. Well, we know that God will take that away from you. Join the church, we'll get you baptized, and you'll stop smoking. Wrong. But we started uh, not only smoking, we started drinking. So my father had a whole catch of uh, booze that I liquidated over the next three years, <laughs> slowly but surely. So I would stay happy, and on my scout trips, I always took a little bottle with me, just a, yeah, a little cough medicine. And uh, uh, so I was doing everything wrong. So this God may not be working either. They came to me and asked me to go on a mission when I was 18 years old. And I said, geez, I'm not, I'm not fit to go on a mission. Still smoking, drinking. I said, well, you go on this mission, I think you'll be cured. God will take those things away from you. Really? These guys were really hard up to take me on a mission. But anyway, I'd always led sales in Boy Scouts, so they knew I could sell. And at that time, the Mormon church wanted to grow to be as big as the Catholic church in America. So I thought, okay, 1960, here we go. Six months of training in Salt Lake City. It's tough sneaking cigarettes in and out of that place, but we got it done. We, I didn't have any hooch, though, because it's a tri-state. You have to go to a liquor store. I did have a false ID, so I could still buy liquor. Uh, showed I was 21, and it was my father's old driver's license. In those days, you didn't have your picture on it, so I used that for many years to drink in bars when I was 15, 16, 17 years old. Went to six months of training, and then I was shipped off to Tipaloo, Mississippi. Big, famous place. Uh, 
the birthplace of uh, Elvis Presley. I don't think Elvis was around when I got there, but anyway. I was on this mission. We were out saving people. We went and called on Mormons that were unequally yoked. In other words, the wife was LDS and the husband wasn't, or the husband was LDS and the wife wasn't. And so we worked converting them. And they were all about numbers. And I was very successful in selling people the fact that if they became a Mormon, we'd stop bugging them. We'd stop calling on them. We wouldn't have to drive them crazy every Monday night or Tuesday night or whatever it may be. It was very successful because we got quite a few people baptized. But one night, after being there for about seven months, I heard a voice. I don't know who it was from, but it told me to go home. Go home now. Now, they tell me I dream, but I've never remembered a dream because I sleep so deeply, I guess. But that night, I heard a voice say, go home. Go home now. So the next week, I told them I had to go home. They shipped me back to Salt Lake City. I got my hand slapped and sent back to Sacramento. I really never looked back at the religion. That God never worked. I didn't stop drinking. I didn't stop smoking. And uh, in his name, or in the Mormon God's name, I did find out one thing, though, as I studied the religion, that if I was good and continued to do my works, I could baptize my dad for the dead, and I could become my own God. Pretty good deal. My own God. They got to work a lot of time. So, okay, I abandoned that religion. I wandered around for a couple of years. I would go to different churches, basically usually based on the young lady I was dating at the time. Parents always love young men that go to church, you know. And so I always went to church because I always got a good meal afterwards, and it was fun. But still had all my jobs. I'm still making nothing but books. I did get a raise when I was 12 after my dad died to seven bucks a week at the stables up there. My dad was a big part of my life and that God didn't work. The Mormon God didn't work. And I kept wandering around to different churches trying to find a God that would work. Not knowing that God was working all the time in my life. I had no, no reason to know that he was. Then, I met a young lady that was in the neighborhood. We started dating, and we got married. Guess where I got married? That same little Lutheran church that I gave my life to Christ. God has a sense of humor. He just, just drives it home every once in a while. I got married there, had two beautiful children, married for 20 years, grew apart, and God sort of separated us. I got very involved in the church. I became a deacon. I was a trustee. I did all kinds of things within the work of the Lord. And uh, my kids were both confirmed. My wife stopped going to church, and so I don't know what I was doing, but it was doing something wrong. But we ended up separating. We ended up splitting up. Little did I know that God had a plan. 
I had a trip that I had won with an insurance company that I represented to go to Hawaii. This is the first incentive trip I was going to take by myself in 20 years. And I can remember bachelors going on these trips. It's not nice. But I also have to entertain agents that I have that have helped me get there. And so there was a marketing rep that worked the same territory. And her name happened to be Wendy. So I called Wendy and said, hey, this is not a date, but we have a lot of stuff that we have to do together, company parties and entertaining agents. Would you mind you know, sort of pairing, not dating, just pair up so that we could go together in doing all these functions that we had to go to? She said, yes. Great. Fantastic. Did I know then that God would pair us and that I would fall in love with this little girl? I've had two dates in 55 years. I married them both. Think about it. God provided, okay? <laughs> Year and a half later, we got married. Blessed with two beautiful girls. And life went on. Wendy had a girlfriend that said, we gotta move out of Sacramento. We gotta move to this new area that's really vibrant. And uh, a lot of young people are going there. Roseville, California. Now you gotta realize, I'm a native Sacramento. When I moved outside of the, 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 the flood walls, there's a levee that goes all the way around inner Sacramento. I thought I'd moved out in the country. Really not too far, but it was out on the other side. Now going to Roseville, wow, that's a bigger move. And at that time, we weren't going anywhere. We did go to the Lutheran church. Wendy did get baptized in front of the congregation with the three drops of water or whatever they do in the Lutheran church. And we taught Sunday school. We did Bible, vacation Bible school. We did all kinds of things, but later we discovered she really didn't have a connection with Christ. And until we moved to Roseville. Her very dear friend that was living out there invited us to come to this new church and invited her to a Bible study. Now, she'd been going to plays and stuff like that, and God had been working on her life for quite a while. But she accepted. She asked a million questions. Fortunately, she didn't ask me, thank goodness. Because I'd make something up, as I always do. But we started going to this church. Got to know the pastor and his family, and he decided since I've been baptized so many times, I probably should got to get rebaptized again, because you know, got to make it stick. Now, by by this time, by this time, I've been excommunicated from the Mormon Church because I had a I held a leadership role with the Lutheran Church, and so I was informed that I would go to the third celestial kingdom, which is their hell which is far better than any heaven a Christian could go to. So I'm, I've got a winner. I got all the bases covered. I'm gonna make it. So I just started going to this church, got rebaptized. And when I got rebaptized, I recommitted my life to Christ. And that changed my whole life, following him, worshiping him, and knowing that he never abandoned me, that he never left my side, that he was there the entire time. I go back and look at different things that happened. And it was amazing. Things would happen. Some people call me lucky. I think it was just because Jesus walked alongside me this whole time.
He was there. He was there for me in the tough times. He was there for me in the good times. But he never abandoned me. Now, I know there's some people out there that may not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I would like everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Bow your heads and close your eyes. So, Father God, if there's anybody out there that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I ask them to pray this prayer. Father, I want to make you my Lord and Savior. I want you to cleanse me as white as snow. I want to be in the family of God. And if you just said that prayer with your eyes closed and your heads down, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. I see you. Just raise your hand. I see you. And Father God, we know that sometimes we leave you. We stop using you. We stop believing in you. And there may be somebody out there today that wants to be recommitted, wants to recommit their lives to be your Savior, you to be their Savior, you to be there for them every day. So just pray this prayer. Father, I want to see you again. I want to walk with you again. I want to be obedient with you again, Father God. Please part of my life. And if you've prayed that prayer, please raise your hand. Heads down, bowed, raise your hand. I see you. Father God, we just hold this day up to you. We hold this time up to you. We thank you for all that you do, all that you are. In your name, bathed in the blood of Jesus, amen. You know, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. That's truly my life, my testimony. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.